0: I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 107. The only podcast for brokers, by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckberg. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the show, I have Ryan Anderson of Castle Mortgage Group. He's been a broker for eight years and based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Ryan and I had a great chat. He talks about how his extreme sports have helped him be a better broker he did a 125-kilometer relay race by himself through the mountains called the Death Race. It's insane. His, he also talks about his experience using mailers and what he does now to grow his business. And then a mistake that he had made starting out on where to meet his clients and how he's changed it. He also shares a story of a 60-hour race that he had done. And one of the items that you have to carry on this race is a pound of salted butter. Which is, you're going to be like, What? This doesn't make any sense. Anyways, it's a great interview. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. This episode is sponsored by the career section of the I Love Mortgage Brokering site. Since starting the podcast, I've had numerous people reach out to me and say, Hey, Scott, where should I hang my license? And sometimes I would ask questions. How long have you been in the business? Where do you live? What things are important to you? Are you in bank? Were you in, are you currently in banking? Basically trying to find out some background so that I could point them in the right direction if I knew someone. However, this is a really big country. And I feel like choosing a brokerage is a personal thing. And I don't, ultimately, I don't really know what's important to you, which is why we created the career section of the Isle of Mortgage Brokering page. Think of it like eHarmony for brokers and owners. The career section of the site allows a broker to input their postal code and search for brokerages recruiting in their area. You can compare things like lender status, payroll frequency, location of offices, do they have office space available? Basically, all the questions someone would have if you're looking for a brokerage. It also allows an owner to share what makes them unique and the type of broker they're looking for. Let's be honest, it has to be a good fit for both parties. The career section allows owners and brokers to connect. Check it out. I love mortgage brokering slash careers and check out this interview with Ryan. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Hey, Ryan, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. Awesome. So can you just tell me a little bit about how you got into the mortgage business? Because no one as a little kid in kindergarten says, hey, when I grew up, I want to be a mortgage broker. We kind of all end up here through some usually a convoluted path.
1: Yes, for me, this has been this is year number eight in the mortgage business. And I believe it was in my early 20s, just reading books, getting into some personal growth stuff and deciding that, you know what, I want to own my own business and I'd like to be in real estate. And it started from there. And then I, my first step was managing an apartment block, a 24plex, where I lived there for a few years and kind of while well, I started to, uh, to build the business.
0: Okay. So you initially got into being an apartment manager of a building and then what, what, where did the thing turn in your mind? Say, Hey, I want to, I want to be in the mortgage business.
1: You know what? It had always kind of Crossed my mind, and then even some. It was my brother that was already in the mortgage business as well, and I knew that I knew that eventually I wanted to kind of go down that path, but I wasn't ready yet. Um, so I waited. Yeah. So I knew it was coming. Okay. So it was a little bit of his influence, and uh, and the mentors here that were offered to say that not only will teach you, we're going to mentor you here from my team, Jeff Sparrow, that was here with the Castle Group. It was awesome. So I couldn't pass up that opportunity.
0: Right. And then, so how were your first year? A couple, like your first year in the business, what was that like?
1: It's hard. It's not easy. It's exciting for sure because you see what's the possibilities. But you're uh, you're not used to not used to uh, I guess a nine to five or just working different hours. Not really sure what you're supposed to be doing. So it was tough, but it was great. It was part of the learning process,
0: right? And then so when, at what point though did you realize there's definitely a high kind of unfortunately there's a high failure rate in the mortgage business. So good mentoring helps. You know, knowing, being maybe a little bit more mature and understanding what you're, what you really want to do. But when did you realize that, hey, you know what, this is for me, and I, I think I got this?
1: You know, when I make decisions, I, I don't take them lightly. And it was a decision I was going to make, and I'm going to do this no matter what. So as matter, it's it's only a matter of time before I do it. It's not if, it's when. So I knew right from the start. Right. So right you you have the mindset. I went with the mindset that I'm doing this for a long time. My previous jobs were like 10 years at both places, so I wasn't like uh, I was taking this lightly. And I worked a little bit kind of part time a little bit to to get started, if you will. But I knew as soon as the mortgage business took off, I would know when it was time to kind of quit and officially go on my own 100 percent. That makes sense.
0: Right. Well, you know, I think that it's important to realize that this business is more like a marathon than a sprint. And uh, if you have that mindset, then you'll be OK with the fact that it's kind of a grind, which actually is kind of interesting because you are also like an extreme distance guy as well, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I've done a few. I've done a few races. Uh, I started doing some uh, some longer stuff when I was in. Started doing a relay when I was, I think, in grade six, and and our little elementary school had a running program. And ever since then, I just kind of started doing more and more. So then half marathon, and then a full marathon, and then I started getting into some some longer stuff. And it definitely is uh, is on the mental side, like a marathon, like you said.
0: Right. So just because I actually like I like running too, although I haven't done anything like that. What's the sort of craziest running? <laughs> Uh, story that you have?
1: It's got to be the Arrowhead 135 race. So it's an ultra marathon. It's in the winter. It's not far from from Canada, U.S. border. It's 135 miles. You pull a 50-pound sled with you because if anything happens to you, there's nobody around. you got to be able to go into the sleeping bag, pop a tent, be able to eat food. You have to carry a 1-pound, 3,000 calories, which relates to a 1-pound brick of salted butter tasty tasty stuff and that was just the longest one it took me three years to do the first two years I dropped out halfway through and from cold from blisters from just learning what to eat and you're not running the whole time but you're moving you're power walking you're jogging and you don't sleep the whole time so that was that was a race that took me 60 hours to go to do it from start to finish
0: two and a half days why do you have salted butter what's the
1: <laughs> I guess it's just a requirement to have a list because in case you get so low on calories, you need that. So you have that or you have like a pe- thing, a peanut butter. So you're also kind of looking at you want to minimize weight in your what you're carrying with you, right? Because you don't want to be carrying as much, but you still want some food. So th- that was always one of the requirements. And I thought that was really funny. that you Did you eat it? That in your bag. Nope, never ate it. But it was in there as a backup just in case.
0: OK, I, ha- I have to ask because that's a that's a crazy <laughs> a pound a a salted butter um that's awesome so before we dive into your story i always like to ask about a success quote that's really had an impact on your life or business because I, i like how quotes are portable they're memorable do you have a quote that's really had an impact on you i got a
1: i got a room full of quotes but my number one one i think especially for this business is give every man more in use value than you take from him in cash value then you're adding to the life of the world by every business transaction
0: and who said that you know what? I'm not even sure. Okay. So how do you apply that to your business or your life? Like, well, give me an example of a way that you yeah. are intentional so about I guess that. What,
1: so I guess what that means is you're not going to get something for nothing. So what are you offering? Oh, I'm offering unique. You're right. I'm offering unique customer service with the best experience for my clients. And I'm going above and beyond. So any opportunity there is for a transaction, you should be going above and beyond. It's not necessarily what you t- can get from someone else. It's It's what you can give. So a little bit of that's in there too. So. Someone, one of my mentors, told me that a long time. And so even if you're in the process of selling something or you're you have a quick transaction with something, it's always an opportunity. You know, people think, well, it doesn't mean much. It's small. But no, there's an opportunity in every transaction to to give more. And then, you know, what? More, way more is always going to come back to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of the Zig Ziglar quote. You can have anything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And I, I love that. Can you can you give me a specific thing that you do that you that like sort of either after the transaction or in the transaction that your clients are like, whoa, that was pretty like that's, a, in, again, one of those intentional things to add value?
1: Um, I every person I give sounds it sounds silly. It's a little marketing thing, but I have chocolate business cards. Okay. So after every pre-approval meeting, and I always have clients to sit down and do it, I give them a chocolate business card. I give them one when they leave. I give them one when, when they're packaged. So I know it sounds simple, but you got to think. When you used to go to the dentist, at least for myself, I used to go there, and they would give you, you got to choose a toy when you left or something when you left. So anytime you left there, you felt good about yourself. I guess you go outside, you eat the chocolate, you feel good about yourself. So consciously in that. And I feel like that's something that I, that I don't think anyone else does that's really unique but besides that just being genuine with people i don't know, look them in the eye shake their hand um this is the relationship not just for short term but for hopefully for the rest of your life
0: right no yeah that's good i've never actually in 110 plus interviews i've never heard of anybody tell me the chocolate business card is the first maybe you have to send me a picture of it so that we can put it in your uh in your posts because that's definitely unique
1: sure i'd love to have and get them shipped all the way from california with a place called sweet impressions um, but I'd love to have it here. I'd love to have someone here to do it, but no one here has been, uh, so every year I get them shipped, I keep them and I have a bar fridge cooler. I keep them in here and they last and they're, they're good quality too. I have milk and dark chocolate for both.
0: <laughs> dark is the way to go though. It's apparently, it's a sign <laughs> of higher intelligence. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I want to, I want to switch gears and talk about failure. I know that as a guy, if you do these, you said you did this one run a couple times and you, and before you've managed to do it. I think most people think you're nuts for even attempting it, but can you share an example of something that you'd failed at, but looking back, there was a lesson in it for you?
1: For sure. Well, yeah, that, that race big time, because, you know, you tell everyone that you're going to do it. So whether that's business or that's, that's fitness, you tell everyone you're going to do this goal. You set out to do it. You got your intentions and you don't make it. So you, you got to make adjustments and it's honestly what you learn. I've dropped out of so many races before. And the, the, all the question is what did I learn? Well, I was good in here, but I need to, train harder. I need to learn my nutrition. So what did I learn on that? I needed to learn how to to be warmer because I was cold. So I got all the warm gear that you could possibly get for the next year and then went out there and realized, you know what? It doesn't matter on the warm gear. It's about what you're putting into your body on the nutrition side. So come back and change and adjust again. So as long as you're learning from every failure, then that is key. And I think for the business one, early on, I had, I feel like, like anyone, you, you have deals that don't close or they don't choose you. And you're like, I could have done a better job of that. I could have followed up better. I went to someone's house. I remember specifically going to someone's house and it was a rental portfolio. Now, I don't go to help the client's house anymore. I've been to maybe one or two, but we have all the tools in the office. You come here, less distractions, all that. But that was a big learning lesson because I definitely was out of my comfort zone, out of my element and talking to these people. And I was early on and they had four or five properties and my mind was already going crazy. Like, oh, how much as this business is going to be et cetera I was getting way ahead of myself, so I think that was a good a good lesson early on for me and then more recently has been the past couple of years has been when I didn't follow up properly with renewals renewals are are super easy they're already clients of yours, so there's no excuse for me um, following up later or not following up at all uh, on those ones so
0: and so how how what what are you what kind of process do you have in place to make sure that you actually remember to do it now versus what was happening before
1: yeah so We have a combination of things. I mean, we have reports now where we run at the beginning of every year where I go over. So I'm already looking on my board here. And I also have whiteboards up here that's already going everything into the end of this year and already into 2017. And on top of that, just touching points with the clients a few times a year, whether it's a call, newsletters, not every month. But for me, it's quarterly. I do birthday cards. I do little things. I keep up to date with them. So I think that's important to kind of continue that relationship, which helps.
0: Right. Right keep 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 stay top of mind for sure definitely
1: most of the time they're going to contact me anyways but um yeah it's good just to double check
0: Uh, awesome so i'm going to ask about so i noticed talking to successful brokers that they have a system and a process they don't just kind of show up to work and hope for the best so can you but they also are willing to adjust those processes and systems can you share an example of a administrative process maybe that wasn't working as well as you would like and a change you made in the outcome you got
1: well, just recently, I just hired an assistant, so I hadn't had that for a while. Everyone said, you should do it. You're working way too hard. So I'm in the process now of just of just going over all of that stuff. I think more than anything is, as soon as I meet with the people, as soon as I meet with them, I'm always sending them some sort of follow-up, some sort of follow-up email, something just to contact is what we discussed. Plus, it's in writing as well. So if they ever come back and are like, you told me you were approved or you told me this. And then also, it's a chance to, as soon as I have all my sent items, then I know... I have a database of people that I've talked to. So that's that's to start with. And then after that, once the file goes through, I have whiteboards. I have whiteboard systems. So I have all of the I have one whiteboard that has a change, all of the different programs of what's going on, what bridge costs are, what are business for self, all the specifics about who does minimum square footage, who does you know, all the things that we need to know in the business, the details, I have that up there because that's changing often. And and then on the other side, I have all of the deals. That are closing, when they're closing, who referred them to me, what lender it is, when's their closing date, what kind of follow up do I have on it? And then I have another board as well that has all my leads, who I talk to, what's going on, uh, and then renewals. So I think someone told me early on to make sure you touch files every day. So I'm not sure if that's really a system, but I feel like by the time I leave at the end of the day, I've at least touched or at least contacted, at least gone over. My files of what's going on does that does
0: that make sense? No, totally. So these whiteboards, I'm interested in this because most people tend to be going now to more high tech, and I've actually found myself like my to do list. I'm writing on a on a notepad, and um, it's just less distracting because if I try anything online, just seems to be constant bombardment of more you know just distraction. So is these whiteboards, are they real? Like, you're, are you talking like physical whiteboards or like uh, are you virtual? No, physical ones.
1: I do. I also write out a to do list, and I have it in a book. Because also, if you write out a to-do list on just a piece of paper early on, then you got all these little pieces of paper all over the place. So I write it in a book, and I can always go back from the next thing. If I keep writing the same thing over and over again, eventually, it's going to get done, right? Or you're putting it off, right? Right. Whether it's something for marketing or something else. So I do do that. I need to see it. I need to cross it off. I use my phone just to schedule appointments and stuff in there, but I don't, so I don't miss it, but I don't use the technology side for that much more than that, if that makes sense. I have a double screen computer and then I have all my whiteboards that have um, that actually write yeah with markers on them different colors and then they're changing and, then, and I have a girl that comes in and we help update it too and then I can see it I need to see it so before I had all my files on the floor <laughs> which sounds crazy but an office just just an organized kind of chaos and now now they're not on there but everything is up there so I can see them because I had them out and I had them organized into what months is closing when so
0: that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I'm I'm moving more. I love online. I love tools and tech, but I'm I tend to be a little bit I'm feeling like it's just too much. It's moving too fast and I and it's easy to miss things and get distracted. So if you have a sheet of paper or something that's written down on it it's, for me it's easier to focus on.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Um, okay, so now I want to ask about the sales and marketing process. So if you're a successful broker, you m- have tried different sales or marketing initiatives and some of them don't always work the way you want, but can you share one maybe that didn't work the way you wanted, but then a change you made and the outcome you got? Ooh, that's a good
1: question. I want to say that, I've, that I haven't had much success with, the, with any kind of flyers or mail-out campaigns. I've done stuff for different clients and real estate agents and referral sources that says, oh, we want to put your name in this book excuse me, or in brochure, something that's coming out. And I've done that lots, but I've never really gotten any kind of, I want to say return on that. However, it is hard to quantify exactly what kind of return you're getting, right? You're putting your name out there. And sometimes even with the social media stuff on that, you're not necessarily making the sales close right then, but you're getting your name out there and you're getting, you're the expert, right? You're the person to talk to about finances. You're the person to talk about mortgages so I feel like early on I did I did more of trying a few different things, but now I focus, I want to say 100% of my time, energy, money on my current existing database. So everyone that I've helped, that continues to help me, I look after, I send them gift cards, they send thank yous, and then I just, that's where all of my, I guess I've learned over that is that people would much rather use someone that they, that someone else has told them about versus you could have the best brochure plan delivered to someone's mailbox in their house but if they don't know you the chances are low that they're not going to call you unless they're really they're really in that perfect timing state that they're looking for that
0: well i think when it comes to mortgages it's a high trust transaction it's not like say getting your sprinklers blown out or something where you don't really care uh who does it because if you know as long i suppose if they make a they could break your sprinkler system but it's not the same as mortgages so i feel like that's why referrals and that type of business definitely seems to be stronger. Uh, so another area I've noticed talking to brokers is this: there's two kind of camps. One says you need to diversify your income, another says you know just stick to brokering. So I wanted to ask: do you look at diversifying your income by either you know cross-selling you know insurance or other products, or do you primarily focus on brokering?
1: Yeah. So when you go back to that saying, what kind of services and what kind am I going to offer? Right. So my could we could I earn more income in different areas? Definitely. I think there could be an opportunity. However, if, for example, insurance, um, I it would just be a whole another thing to be another. It's a whole, I, now I'm going to be an expert in insurance as well. Now that's great, but that's going to take a lot of learning. It's take a whole another process, a whole another adding on to it. And short term, I don't think it would be an issue. I think I could handle it. But longer term, looking after clients, trying to predict, foresee their needs, their right, what's going to happen, all, and all the changes that are going on in a whole another industry. I feel like that's a lot, and I don't want to be kind of 50% at it. I want it to be good at it. So I focus my time on being the best mortgage broker I could be, and then I've added in, um, I've become a personal certified coach, I want to call it life performance coach, and that kind of goes into my running, the mental, the personal growth stuff that I really enjoy doing. So that's where I, and I do earn a little bit more income on the side from that, but that just is more of, a, of more of a, another passion of going, taking, taking kind of that one-on-one relationship of one step farther.
0: And so how has the, so this, you obviously got certified to be a personal coach. So how is that, how do you, what is something you applied from that to your business? Is there any, like any particular skill or co- like concept or something that? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. If you, if you're, if you're giving advice, you better be following your own advice, number one. And I, I early on, I got a coach when I was started in the mortgage business and they broke down how much many different files I need to close by how much time and more of the follow-up side of things on that and that was great I felt like it helped and but I also when I went through the other programs I went through a year-long program with uh, someone called Bob Proctor he's been Mm -hmm. around the industry for like 50 years so I wanted to get his information from it and it changed my business so you're almost sit back as a third person and say if I was coaching myself as a broker what would I tell myself well, Ryan, you're not doing this. You're not picking up the phone. You're not making the calls. You're not doing the emails. You're not right. And kind of looking at that and saying, if you need to put in the action, you need to put in the effort if you're going to get this back. So it definitely helped with the business side of it, but it also helped with the mindset side of it too.
0: Right. No, that's really good.
1: So those they it Yeah, it worked well. It's worked well for me and everyone's a little different. That's the thing. There's no perfect kind of system. And I've kind of it's been great to go around the country from Canada, U.S., all these different people, from coaches to business people and see what's your very similar to your podcast and see, ah, I like the way this person does that. I like the way this person does that because everyone's different. You can give a book to the same book to 10 different people and they're all going to come back and half of them will love it. Half of them won't. So it's it's knowing it's kind of knowing your client, I guess. Right. And learning about it.
0: Them. Yeah, no, actually, I was at a conference this last week and a guy asked me, he said, so I've known him for a while. if you have done 100 and some interviews? What's the biggest you know, thing you've impacted in this last year? And I, I told him, honestly, it was mindset and how I had to change my mindset around money, around work, around and, and how I had sort of you can inadvertently put a glass ceiling on yourself if you're not careful and there's ways we do that, but it was definitely for me has been a kind of like a, the coin dropped and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of this. Right. It's, it's so critical.
1: Totally. That was totally true. And that was the same within the, that's the same within the fitness stuff. So I'm like, so here I am. And this happens a lot to people where they have, they have success in one area, but then they don't have it in the other areas of your life. So you almost, if you take on your, whatever you're good at. So for me, it was running at the time. So I said, okay, if I was running, and I was going to kind of approach running the way I approach the business, I guess, if you will, the same dedication, the same training, the same kind of stuff. Yes. The expectation was definitely one of them and almost taking that hat and wearing it in different arenas, if that makes sense. Um, because some people think that, Oh, I've never been in shape. So I'm never going to be in shape, etc. Or they have some other kind of little voice in their head. Oh, I don't deserve it. or I'm not good enough. All those kind of some core things. And I think, a few years ago, on the mindset stuff was really was really a key for me. You know, I got an interesting story for it. So, I went to Eric Thomas. So I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a hip hop preacher guy and he's big on YouTube. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've heard of him. He's
1: on YouTube all over. So watch his stuff all the time. He's, he's, he's like, yeah, he lets it rip, that guy. I've been to two of his conferences and um, and seen him live and amazing. So we're trying to get him here to come to come to the city. He's coming back to Canada again. But they had a great thing about, so someone got up there and he got someone that was, that was a, and this kind of even relate to the podcast. So you got a girl that's up there who's a multimillionaire, and she's got this, and it's something that's asking questions. So he, someone got up and asked a question of, um, so how do you manage 50 people in the organization? And one of the guys, his, his right-hand man, CJ, said, okay, that's a great question. Don't get me wrong. Someone in this room needs to hear that. But let me ask you a question. Do you have 50 people in your business? No, I don't. Do you have one? No, I don't. He says, OK, well, then how about maybe you should ask the question of how can I hire the first person or how can I get the next person kind of with me or an assistant or someone on there? Because that's the next step for him. And and then he went into the whole thing about the next step about someone, I think, that was working at uh, one of the big Internet companies. All right. He was just starting on the basic job and he got a he got a lunch with the CEO and he was all happy. He was like, I got a lunch with the CEO. This guy earns millions, whatever. And he said, No, but you're not seeing the bigger picture. What, what that CEO is going to talk to you about, and yes, it may be a little ego lunch for you, but what his theories and ideas, what he's going to talk about, are going to be over your head. They're going to be great, but you're not ready for them yet. You should be going and saying, Okay, who's the next person on my scale that I need to learn from? Right? If I'm earning 40,000, the those of the person that's earning 50 or 60 or kind of jumping up or going to the next up there. And I really feel like that's kind of appropriate for brokering or for any industry, really, because if you're thinking, how do I get my business, I want to call it to the next level, but of going all crazy and and having having a big team of it, just start the basic, right? How can I close more people next week, right? How can I get to this next month? And I really think if people look at kind of the levels in their life and just take on a little bit because you kind of need that process. You'll be overwhelmed. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm, Totally. So what I'm hearing is you're saying, basically, in order... To pe- for people to get to the next level you got to focus on the next step and it's too often i see people and i've done this is that you dream so far out and the problems are in your in your mind and really what it is is i i think if you really dug down in a lot of cases it's just fear of you know taking that first step uh, maybe sometimes it's confusion about the next step but i don't think we need you don't need to know what's at you know step l if you're at step b just get to b and keep your head down and then get to C and, and you'll get to L and pass, but you need to like, not, uh, not be trying to focus too far ahead. You just, I, I just feel like it trips people up. It totally trips
1: people up. And I see it all the time. And you got, you have these big goals and aspirations and those are great. Don't get me wrong, but do it one, you know, just like the running mentality, right? You're not going to go out and run. You got to do it a little bit at a time. You got to do the two milers. Then you got to do the five milers. Then you got to do, and that's going to take time. That's going to take months, right? And the same kind of thing with the business one step at a time. And then it also builds momentum. And then it also builds your mindset where you're like, oh, you know what? I can do this. I, I can do this. You're like, I can be a bigger earner. I can crush whatever volume levels that you want to do, right? So,
0: right, yeah, that's Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, I, I think that's a very mu- meaningful message for people to listen to and to take heart of. So, I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. So, these you can answer with shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful?
1: I think that, I, I think already I touched on it.
0: I think Belief in themselves and taking action. So what one thing or habits made you successful? I think
1: expectations and not being discouraged. I'd say they expect that, that tomorrow is going to be a better day and that good things are going to happen, not that things are going to bad are going to happen. That's
0: huge. And do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful?
1: Not really. I want to say the mobile, just having the, the BlackBerry and having the mobile office is huge. You don't realize it, but the fact that you're on the go all the time. Is is great. Right. You can turn it off when you want, but you can also turn it on too.
0: If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: All right, I got three books for you. Go for it. I got for, for, for client relations, it's called the Go Giver. Because it just talks about what I said about the opportunities to help people, it's called the Go Giver. And I'm just looking here. That one is by Bob Berg and Dave and John David Mann. Okay, number two is Psycho-Cybernetics it's by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. This is the best book on visualization ever. And that's one of the things that I focus on in the coaching when I'm doing all this stuff is to visualize stuff. Your brain works in pictures. Your mind works in pictures. And you need to almost trick it and start thinking, doing all the senses as if it's already happened. So if you're going to start acting like you're a big shot, then you know it. You need to dress like it. You need to do everything like it. You need to be taking action like it. Anyway, that book goes into it, talks about your self-invention. It's awesome. Love it. And lastly, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's just more of an entrepreneur and gets your mind. It's not necessarily what's in there, it's what is sparked by when you read it of different, uh, different ideas that are out there.
0: Right. That's good. Um, last question. This is the DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes. So I love that movie. You know, if I could put you in the DeLorean, send you back eight years and you could sit down and say, hey, Ryan, do these three things to make your business more successful. What would you tell yourself?
1: I tell myself to approach it like a business. I think at the beginning it was too easy just to say like, oh, we can work when we want," and it's easy here was to sit down, was to come in in the office in the morning time, whatever it is, seven, eight, nine, eight, whatever it is, come in here every day and get into a routine. That's huge. Get into a routine and you know what? Stuff will happen. Work on stuff, there's stuff to do, it'll happen, but I didn't do that till later on and I wish I would have started earlier. Um, number two, yeah, just telling myself, you know what, now that you've seen the path, that you can do it. Just keep going, that you're going to get there. And the last one, I don't, I don't know, part of it is the growing experience. You can't skip all that stuff that you kind of learned along the way.
0: Right. <laughs> it kind of goes back to what we just talked about. You can't get to, you can't jump ahead without, you got to earn it, right? Yep. Earn it or learn it. That's Right. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Where can people find you online? I'm at
1: uh, ryan
0: Awesome. So we're also there's show notes on this links to everything that we talked about. And uh, Ryan, man, I really appreciate it. I hope you continue to crush your mortgage biz.
1: Thanks a lot. You too. Great for support for
0: the industry, man. All the best, Scott. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Also, if you take two minutes to rate the show, you will get three new deals before the end of the week. How do I know this? Actually, I don't know, but we'd really appreciate if you took some time to write an honest review. It would help us out a lot. Also, if you go to Brokering.com, you can join our VIP club for mortgage brokers and we send tips and tricks, stuff that doesn't get shared on the show. Sometimes some of the best ideas come when the reporter's turned off. If you want to get access to that stuff, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP and get on the list.